This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? Hockey's back. Yes, it is. episode of the Kaniac Report, and in this week, Sam, we finally have games to cover. You're telling me you don't miss the preseason? I'm talking about the regular season. <laughs> Are you sure? I thought you liked preseason more. Whatever. Well, <laughs> let's, let's get on with this. Okay. So we're going to start with some Canes news here. Uh, last week, it was revealed that uh, the Canes have a giveaway schedule that they announced. They're bringing back bobbleheads. And they actually gave a flag on the home opener, which we'll get into in just a minute here. I thought that was pretty cool. They're bringing back the bobbleheads. Yeah, I mean, it's good to do that on the 25th anniversary. That was always a really popular giveaway they did back um, in the day. So I'm excited for it. I think Slavin is one. Aho and Aho. Svetch, I believe. Yeah. So that's awesome. I know we'll, we'll definitely be trying to get some of those bobbleheads for sure. Yes. And... Uh, the next topic we want to announce is that the Hurricanes have actually created their own Hall of Fame. And one of the committees on the Hall of Fame is Tom Dundon, is one of them. Don Waddell, who's the general manager of the Hurricanes. Shane Willis, he's part of the broadcasting team, along with Mike Maniscalco. I thought Kevin Weeks was interesting. I know he's been with the Hurricanes before. Yep. But I thought that was really interesting. Then you have reporters in Lou DeCock and Adam Gold, who we uh, are going to be you're going to be talking about later in the episode too. Yeah, I think these are good. Some good. Um, these are some very good options here uh, to have on this, especially Shane Willis, and I think Kevin Weeks is a pretty cool one to have on too. Uh, both former Carolina Hurricanes alumni, so I think it's good. Adam Gold is also he's been around with the organization and covering them for a good chunk of their existence, so that's another good one. Luke DeCock is another very respected journalist, um, and uh, again Shane Willis and Kevin Weeks, good. And with all those these uh these candidates in the hall in the um committee, I think they'll do a very good job in selecting the Carolina Hurricanes Hall of Fame. Like you'll hear later, you know, people who are already in automatically are the ones with their jerseys in the rafters with Glenn Wesley, Ron Francis, and Rob Brendamore. Obvious choices, of course. Yes, and uh, this was only I only wrote down the. Uh ones that were notable others were people that worked for the organization that we don't know as well but there is a there are more committee members in the hall of fame uh the next news and we kind of saw this coming this happened the last week as well was Derek Stepan signing a one year 7.5 or $750,000 contract yes pretty good yeah, good deal. League minimum, great player. He had a really good game. We'll talk about it. The Columbus game, he looked very good. Um, but, I mean, honestly, Derek Stepan's always looked very good. In almost every game, he has a good game. He looks solid. He does what he's supposed to, which is what's so great about him as a um, as a player, for sure. And that's why, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that fourth line is better for having him on it. And it gives us so much more depth. Yes, he does. And uh, one topic, I mean, we talked about this last week. 
with the whole Ian Cole situation. The NHL has concluded their investigation, and uh, Ian Cole, um, all the charges have been dropped. He was innocent. They just couldn't find enough evidence. Yeah, the NHL determined that there was no there was not enough corroborating evidence to support the accusations made all attempts were made to contact the individual who made the accusations unable to make those contacts um at the end of the day we just refer we'll refer you to the nhl and nhlpa statement on the matter yeah and that's all we're gonna say because he's not a former hurricane well yeah he is a former hurricanes but he's not a hurricanes player anymore so that's all we're going to say on that matter. Close it out. Now let's get to the actual games. The home opener. The opening act. That was such a great game. Yeah, it was a fun game. We were both there. You had some good seats. I was in our season seats. Um, it's just how, you know, we were both just happy to, to be able to enjoy regular season hockey again. Um, the home opener is always fun, especially because you have to wait like two more weeks before another home game because the fair comes into town and you got to suffer through that and not going to get your Carolina Hurricanes hockey for a while. But it was a fun game. I mean, it was exciting. I thought you it was sold out. House. Yeah, always is. Home opener always is. I mean, you're just having to suffer, though, through the rustiness because that was the first period. It was rusty. It was rusty from both ends. Yeah, both both sides was pretty rusty. It was a frustrating, um, frustrating, uh, frustrating start. I thought Carolina was going to come out a little bit better, but they did not. And we just need to, uh, you know, obviously there's just that understanding that it doesn't always, you know, you don't always come out fast and swinging. But I think that second period, because the first period, there was nothing really that happened. It was both teams kind of finding their sea legs. And at the end of the day, the team that found their legs first was Columbus. I mean, Patrick Laine with a with a snipe. Oh, yeah, that was a great snipe. And to be honest, I even though both teams were a little slow at the start, I thought Columbus might have had a bit of an edge over us in the first period. And then... I, and then until Jarvis scored the second to tie it, I thought Columbus had a little bit of an edge, but not much. But when when Carolina scored with Jarvis, I thought we had total domination. Yeah, ever since the then. ice definitely tilted in favor of the Hurricanes. It was pretty clear Carolina came to play and came to dominate. Um, the good the benefit here is the players showed up and they were like, oh. <laughs> Season started. Need to need to play, and you know, right? Jarvis scored, and then I know you were nervous. I was nervous when Columbus scored that goal on the power play with literally just three seconds left, and it was frustrating. I know you were upset with Martin Hook because that was a, a player that kind of blew it there. But Brendan Moore challenged um, the that Columbus goal, which uh, made it one to one instead of two to one. I think if it was two to one, I think we could have, we honestly could have seen a different game. Yeah, but it was pretty cool overall and great to see uh, Brendan Moore challenge that goal. And what's funny is they showed that play on the jumbotron. Everybody knew it was offsides before Brendan Moore challenged it. Oh yeah, absolutely, which was interesting. Oh, absolutely, because it was definitely a um, it was all definitely offsides. It wasn't even close. Yes, and then uh, 
we take the lead from Shay. It was a great pass from Netris and KK. And this is part of the reason why I have titled this episode as us having a Marty party. Because I think Netris had a great, great week overall. Oh, absolutely. Netris looked good. I mean, that line looked very good. I thought it was a little, I thought it was the rustiest in the first period. But it was pretty great once Datchus and Svetch took off. I think KK's still kind of coming into himself, but it'll get there. I mean, he'll get there. He's still, that line looks good. It looked good in San Jose. Yeah, I thought that was the best line in San Jose. And then in the third period, you have Netchus scoring from Martinuk and Stepan. That was a, to me, a really good hard work ethic from the fourth line. Absolutely. And then Netchus. Gets the loose puck and scores it. Great, great intensity from that fourth line. I thought that fourth line was probably one of the best lines in that in Columbus. Step on Martinuk and Nason. I like what I'm hearing from Nason. Yeah, Nason looked well. Nason didn't play in this game, but Nason played in San Jose and looked good. He played on the power play, but granted, the power play didn't look very good in San Jose. But um, I mean, Carolina. I mean, they they looked good. I mean. In the in that second and third period, Carolina took over and became the team that you want them to do. Yes, and uh, Sveshnikov scores um, as he was kind of being tackled by the Columbus player coming out of the box from Natchez and Sassney. So at the end of, of that game, you're, you already have Natchez having three points, which is just amazing. And um, what will your, what would your three stars? beef for that game um i mean i think one of the underappreciated players there was um freddie anderson freddie anderson looked very very good in um the home opener but i think my first star is still going to be marty natchez i felt that he impressed me so much as a player who really struggled pretty bad last season that was just great to see and my second star in this game probably would be Freddie Anderson. Anderson had a great game. And I think my third star here probably would have been, um, probably would be, would be a uh, Svetch. I thought Svetch looked very good tonight too, that night too. Um, I, I mean, it's, it was, it's great to see these young players really turn it, step into their role. And they did. Yes, they did. Uh, my three stars for that game were, to me, number one was Anderson because he had a really, really good, solid game. I don't think we would have won that game if it wasn't for Anderson. To me, number two was Natchez. I thought Natchez was the best player for the Hurricanes. And to me, number three, I'm going to give that to uh, Brett Pesci because mm. I thought that second pair was the best pair. That pet, but that you know, Brett Pesci and um, Brady Shea. Brady Shea are just so reliable, are, are literally old reliable. You can trust them in any situation, you can trust them in any circumstance that's going on, whether you're winning, whether you're losing. You can throw them on the ice, you know what you're going to get. They're great on the defense, they can create offense. I mean, Brady Shea created offense, he always does. So does Brett Pesci, so does Slavin, so does Burns. Honestly, are all four, all six of our defensemen create create offense don had so many shots it wasn't even funny oh yeah he did have quite a bit of shots but i i mean i thought he looked more comfortable as the game went along yeah and i think everybody did i mean it was a total team effort in that game so yes it was so now we're gonna go on to uh carolina at san jose this is the start of a 
five-game Western mm. Conference road trip. And full disclosure, game. as my co-host Sam Wallace will say, I was falling asleep toward the end of the game, but I'm not used to staying up till past one o'clock. I'm old. I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm a night owl. I, I, I just am for some reason. I don't know why. But the the first period actually to me kind of resembled the last game. It kind of started slow. Mm-hmm. And then even though I thought I thought uh the passes and the shots were a little bit more polished than the last game, uh but San Jose they scored first from Svechnikov. This is Evgeny Svechnikov. Yeah, the wrong Svechnikov. Yep. I thought scored. that was a bad goal to allow from Ranta, but after that, I thought he gained his recomposure very nicely. Yeah, Ranta looked so looked better as the game went on, and that's expected. I mean, you know, you want to see your goalies really come into themselves, and it sometimes takes some time. I mean, Anderson didn't look great off the bat, but as the game developed, after he let in the goal, he looked great. And same with Ronta. Sometimes it just takes, you know, you let one in, you're like, okay, I got to get my head in the game, get your head in the game. Ronta was my first star in this game. I thought he was outstanding. Yes. And then going into the second period, Canes are down one to nothing. And Natra scores from Svechnikov. That was such a very great, Pass and a great goal. Yes. Between the legs, on Reimer, who I thought Reimer was staying on, on his head yes. through the entire game. I thought he was San Jose's top player. Absolutely. Reimer, game. former Hurricanes Reimer, James Reimer, was unbelievable. And honestly, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you, I mean, you and I have come to expect that from James Reimer. Reimer would always have really good games, and that was um, just what you expect from him. And he did great, and I was proud of him. I mean, I, I love seeing him do well. Obviously, I would have liked to have seen us score some more, but um, good for Reimer. I mean, really, good for Reimer. Yes, good for Reimer. And what was interesting in that second period, that was when Carolina really took it up a notch, kind of yeah. like in the Columbus game. At one point, I mean, the end of the period, it was 17 shots for Carolina, four for San Jose. But it took a while for San Jose to get their first shot. Yeah. I mean, Carolina, Carolina was they just shut a better it team. down. Carolina is just a better team. I mean, they're better than San Jose. I don't think San Jose is that good. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone really thinks they're much of a, they're not really a playoff team. If, I mean, they've, they haven't won a game yet this year. I think they're 3 0. I think. Yeah, I they're 3 0 because they had those two games against Nashville. So you have to really hope at some point, are they going to be able to. Are the young players in the San Jose going to be able to start doing something? But they're they're just a team that they don't have a lot of anything after their first line on defense and offense. They just don't have a lot. Eric Carlson's old. He's just not where he needs to be anymore. Him and Flasic. Yeah, they're older players. I mean, they tried to get rid of both in the offseason, but they, they, got, they, they, they had Burns, Vlasic, and Carlson, three very old defensemen who couldn't, you know, they can't keep up. But if you bring, you know, if, and, and, and I think it would happen with Carlson. I think if Carolina got Carlson, it would have worked out well here, too. I think Burns is a great player. I think you get more toughness with Burns. I think that's why they went for Burns versus Carlson. And Burns' contract is more time-friendly than Carlson's. I think Carlson has a lot a lot of time left on his deal. Um, but they're just an older team. They don't have a lot of good players anymore. I mean, they still have some good. You know, they still have good players. Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle. So 
San Jose has got some pieces, but they're just they they are in a rebuild, whether they'll ever admit it or not. They won't admit it because they've always kind of, to me, kind of in the same boat as Philadelphia, one in, one out, trying to be enough to be competitive for so long. But I think they really do need to go on the rebuild just because of their situation. Yeah. Right now, and at least Philadelphia's won a game. <laughs> Philadelphia yeah. beat Vancouver. Yeah, but San Jose, I mean, they have a couple players. I do think they need to head into a rebuild, though. Yeah. For San Jose. Absolutely, and you have a good young winger in Timo Meyer to build around. So I think that's a good start for them. I would say he's their best player. Absolutely. Timo Meyer. Absolutely. He used to be Logan Couture. Um, Skinner beat him for the Calder. Uh, for the Calder. Uh, yeah, he was one of the finalists. Yeah, so I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think Santos guys got some pieces, but they don't, they aren't they aren't good. And Carolina showed them. He's like, hey, you know, you're skating with the big boys now. Their goaltender is who kept them in the game. Otherwise, Carolina probably could have won that game five, six, seven, nothing. So, yeah. And uh, heading into the third period, we have a tie game. I thought this was going to go into overtime. I honestly did. I know you were not a fan of this going to overtime because you were sleepy. You wanted <laughs> to go to bed. But Carolina answered your prayer, Sam. Yes, they and did. And Ajo scored from Pesci and Taravina. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if you guys are with Sam that night, he was so tired. I mean, you perked up a little bit at the end when the hurt, when it was two to one because you're like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I got a, I got my last little bit of steam and made to finish the period off, and I was happy that we won. I'm glad Ajo scored a goal. Um, helped me in fantasy in one of my leagues. Um, I lost in fantasy this weekend. <laughs> I won uh, in one of them. So, but you know what? I'm just glad we won in San Jose. Good way to start the road trip. I think that that you need to set the tone. And we have not won yet in Seattle. So we've only played once in Seattle. So hopefully we can we can win this time and get a good a good solid showing from our group. Um but I think it's going to be a good game against the Kraken. I do too. And with this being like at the start of the season, it's really really important to get off to a good start. I, if the Hurricanes didn't start 9-0-0 last season, I don't think they would have been the winners of the Metro. Yeah. I so think, it's really important to have a good start, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. You want to have the best starts you can. You want to start off um, in a good position, right? So I think that's what you're going to get from Carolina. I think you're going to get one of the, I think you're going to get a very good showing. You might not go 9 0 0 again. But, you know, if you come out of this road trip winning four out of the five, I think you're, you're you did good. Yeah, yeah, you are doing pretty good if you win that many on the road. Uh, what were your three stars of this game at San Jose? Um, for me, definitely uh, Ronta was my number one star. I thought Ronta was spectacular. Number two, Natchez. And number three was definitely um, uh, Ajo for, for getting it done at the end. Yeah, um, I did not have Ronta as my three stars, mainly because there weren't a lot of shots against him. Um, But I thought he had a very solid game. I had Natchez as my first star, because I think he's the best player. And then I had Svech, and then Ajo as my third. Um, I I thought... to. To me, during that San Jose game, the second line really showed up. And in the first game, the home opener, I thought it was really 
the first and fourth line that showed up. And I like that Brendan Moore uh, starts the stall line against the other team's top players. Absolutely. Because you're giving your top two lines some room to score. And those are the players that you want to produce. Aho, Svetch, Teravine, and Jarvis. Yeah. Netches. To me, those are the top five that you need. Yes, KK, I think, needs to be good. But it's just there's more importance on those players to me than there is with KK. Yeah, for sure. And I think they're going to keep getting into... They're going to keep growing into themselves, as I've said before. I think this team is just going to keep getting better. Yes. And now you guys are about to hear uh, Sam speaking with Adam Gold. That was a good interview. Wasn't yeah, it? I think you all will enjoy it. We talked a lot about the Carolina Hurricanes history, and I think it's something you guys will enjoy. And again, just as a plug for, for that show, if you haven't yet, yeah, definitely listen to um, Adam Gold's series on the history of the Carolina Hurricanes. I think it's really worth a listen. It's fun. It's exciting. It was emotional because a lot of memories. Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone will enjoy it. Um, so definitely enjoy um, my conversation with Adam Gold. All right, here you guys go. Well, we want to welcome back Adam Gold to the podcast. Thank you, sir, for joining us tonight. Anytime, man. I'm sorry oh. I've uh, I've been radio silent for a while. So, oh, you know, um, we understand. Always happy to do it. Well, you know, we're coming up. You know, we'll do a little bit of housekeeping. You know, the season's about to start. Um, right here. <laughs> I know <laughs> tomorrow. Um, you going to be there tomorrow? You ready? Uh, yep. I will be there. Uh, I don't know. Three thirty, four o'clock. So, so one of the things I'm curious on your take on this too, just, you know, the roster has kind of been set more or less for this season for the top six. They finalized the- it tonight. Yeah. They finalized it tonight. When you see the opening night, like on ice, who's going to be there? Who's your bottom pairing defenseman? Uh, I think it's going to be DeHaan and Dylan Coggle. Um, But I think by the end of the year, as long as Calvin is still healthy, I think it'll be DeHaan and Jalen Chatfield. Really? Um, My fear about Coglin is that he's slow. Uh, And actually, by the end of the year, it might be neither of them, and it might be players who are not even on the roster at this point. Um, I think there's a need for some physicality on the, uh, on the, on the third pair. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of that among the forward group at the end of the season. But again, we'll see what, what the hurricanes need when we get to February, we already know that they're going to add Max Pacioretty at the deadline. So that's pretty good for nothing. Um, so, but my guess is Coglin's going to start. Coglin has some offensive upside. We saw that in the preseason, but he is, I think, really slow and is going to get exposed on the back end. DeHaan is sort of slow. I think Coglin is really slow. So, but heavy shot and maybe he's a 12 minute a night guy and Mm -hmm. it won't, it won't hurt him. Do you see him quarterbacking power play two to start the season? Yeah, I do. Uh, that's that's why I think he makes the team. I don't, in my opinion, in terms of what defensemen are really asked to do, 
I don't think he was one of Carolina's top nine defensemen in the preseason. Um, you know, just leave the big four alone. Yeah. DeHaan was good. I thought Max Lejoie was very good in the preseason. Um, gave me some confidence that if they need a left shot defenseman uh, to s- sub in for one of their lefties, that Lejoie can come up and do the job. Uh, I thought Chatfield was very good. Uh, I thought he made some mistakes, but I also thought he recovered from his mistakes. I think he's got a little offensive upside, too. Um, and Ethan Bear, I don't know if Ethan Bear was better than Coughlin. It's hard to really judge it because I don't think Bear's fast either. Yeah. But Coughlin at least gave you the offensive punch. But in terms of defense, I thought there left a lot to be desired for Dylan Coughlin. Do you feel Ethan Bear will be on this roster much longer? I mean, I think he makes it to the weekend. I don't know. <laughs> um, I look. I think I thought all along that uh, he wasn't better necessarily than like he does some good things. I, I don't want to say that make it out that Ethan Bear is a train wreck. Um, I think if Ethan Bear was your, I mean, if he started in place of Dylan Coughlin. I don't think that's a terrible thing. I actually don't mind Jacob Slavin quarterbacking the second power play. I think Slavin's got offensive upside. He's a great passer. And because he's such an elite skater, if something went wrong, you can recover. I just don't think Dylan Coughlin can recover on the second power play unit. You almost have to play another defenseman with it. Um, So, and, and maybe Pesci is, uh, that guy, they don't have a ton of right shot guys. So maybe Pesci ends up being the second defenseman on the power play. So they've got two right, at least two guys that can shoot the puck from the right side. Um, and actually Pesci in the preseason a year ago or two years ago, lined up like at the left faceoff circle, which is interesting because he doesn't have a, a great shot. Yeah. Uh, I always, I always joke with Brett, with Brett that your slap shot, allowed Justin Williams to come back into the game after scoring off his face. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, in Florida, went right off his face and in, mm-hmm. and Justin went in, got stitched up and came back. I'm like, man, you got to work on that shot, Brett. Um, but uh, I I just I think they're going to move him because 2.2 million, and that is, you know, they could use that room now now that they've created the cap space, that room can be used at the deadline. Yeah. And whether they move him now or they move him later, I think he'll get moved. Um, but I think Ethan Bear is a serviceable third pair defenseman. I just think they have a lot of other options who are less expensive. So I know we were happy, and I'm sure, and I, I know you're happy too, because I think I've heard you say before on your show and the podcast that you're captain of the Derek Stepan fan club. Yeah, um, that was a good move to bring him back. At least we feel like. Um, do you feel? Do you think he starts tomorrow, or do you, or do you think it's Jordan Martin? Yeah. Or do you think? No, no, no. Bo- I think they they both start. I think I think Stefan Nason is the healthy extra. I think if they knew that if they put him through waivers, they were going to lose him. Uh, so I think Nason is the healthy extra. I think Stepan starts in the middle, unless they want to put Stasny as the third, fourth line center, and put somebody else up with Stahl and Fost. But I don't know that there's a really good option, unless you want to put Martinuk up there. But I think Stepan starts in the middle, 
Jack Drury's in Chicago, and uh, Martin Nickleby on the left and Andre Kasha on the right. So I think it's a fourth line that that can score a little bit. But uh, honestly, that you don't need him to score. You just need him to possess the puck. And they did that really well last year. And so I that's I think Stepan is in the starting lineup tomorrow night. And I actually said this when they brought Stepan back in a PTO. I said, I think he's going to be in the opening night lineup. And I said the same thing about DeHaan when they brought him back. Like, they're both going to be in the lineup. Whether they're really good or not is almost immaterial. They have the head coach's trust. They're, neither of them are going to play a ton. Be surprised if Calvin DeHaan plays more than 13 or 14 minutes. If you go back to last year, you know, Ian Cole or Brendan Smith, when Smith eventually started playing, initially, they weren't playing that much. Because yeah. the plan is to play your top four. You know, I think I think those four guys will each play on average about between 22 and 24 minutes a night. So there just aren't that many minutes left for these guys. If you factor in uh, some power play time, it just aren't that many minutes left after that. So I think, you know, DeHaan will play 13 or 14 and whoever's playing the other side will play about the same. So. Um, yeah, but I expect step on in the lineup. What's the one thing, if there's anything that you're concerned about or that there should be concern about the roster going forward, or do you think it, it might be addressed when Pacioretty comes back? Well, I mean, you always want scoring. I'm really, the thing is, especially in the early going, I'm not concerned about scoring at all. Even without Max Pacioretty, the scoring concerns to me, for me, come when the games get harder, and we get into, uh, you know, March, April, May, when it's just harder to get to where you want to go, harder to get to the front of the net, harder to win those battles, and uh, also you have to have the confidence that you can finish. And that's, I keep, I kept saying it after after the year. I probably told you. I think Carolina's biggest improvement will always come from within. It's yeah. not about like Max is great. I mean, Max, if, if he stays, if he's comes back and stays healthy uh, over the last two and a half months of the season, plus playoffs, I mean, he might score 15 goals, maybe more. And if he scores 20, then you're probably going deep into the playoffs. I'm, com- I'm combining regular season and postseason here. But the truth is, is that, the goals need to come from Aho, Teravon, and Svechnikov, Natchez, Kokaniemi. Uh, it needs to come from Jarvis. It needs to come from those guys. So, I, and I've been, p- people thought I was nuts. But that's where the Hurricanes will really challenge for a cup, when it's those guys. The other stuff, the other guys, the Pachiorettis and Stasny's and Kasha, if he can stay healthy, those guys, that's icing. The, the, the meat and potatoes has to be those other guys. And in the case of Kokaniemi, he's got big shoes to fill. I mean, Trocek had a good postseason. I think the numbers, uh, the numbers are really good. I don't think he played at a high level for the most part in the postseason. And nobody played at a high level during the Rangers series, but um, but considering the matchups he was afforded, he, they should have been more dominant. And I was also disappointed in Kokaniemi. 
And, but, you know, he's got to step into a bigger role. And, man, Martin Natchez has a four-hour, or rather a four-month test drive as the uh, as a top six forward. Yeah. So I hate to do this to you. Hang on one second. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be, there's a lot of fun, uh, but I have to, I have to get something. And I'll come right back. I promise. Yeah. No problem. All right. I'm back. Yeah. No, I, my, my son was using my computer and uh, suddenly the battery's dang, dying. All right. We're back. All right. So kind of now to pivot, it's the 25th anniversary. Uh, uh-huh. Every week we have told people they need to listen to, to the, the show you've been doing. It's been, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I mean, we love it. My my uh, co-host and I, We it's been fun. So kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to maybe talk a little bit about that and maybe where the idea came from, kind of what the process has been for you. And uh... no. Okay. Uh, the idea was not mine. <laughs> Any, anything that adds more work for me is, I mean, probably not going to be my idea. Um, but it was presented at a time where I knew doing summer podcast was not going to be, it was going to be a stretch. I mean, essentially I'd be doing the same podcast every two weeks for two months. And so they said, well, why don't we do a 25th anniversary podcast? And it started out being just about the move. It was solely going to be about the move. And I thought there was enough that I could do to create Okay, I we can do six episodes. So that's the way I would I thought thought it was going to be. Uh so we'd talk about what it was like in Hartford at the end, that whole thing, and then the first year in Greensboro, killing the mascot almost, yeah. which was a fun, a fun topic of conversation. Um, we talked about the uniforms, which uh other people brought up to me first. In just in conversation, and I thought, all right, this obviously resonated, so let's expand on it. So we had the, the one episode was half about nearly killing the mascot, and the other half was about the uniforms, which is obviously a great look. Um, but then they told me that they had sold eight episodes. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then, then they came back to me and said, 10. Uh, they're not getting 10. Um, episode six lands i believe it's 6 a.m it goes live tomorrow so uh and this is about the 2002 team yeah and uh, i mean i think i've said it anyway out loud but it's really as i was putting it together last night i realized well we can't do one episode on the 2002 team it's going to be two episodes because i'm trying to keep these pretty close to 30 minutes and I was still adding, I hadn't even gotten to the end of the, um, I didn't even gotten to the start of the Toronto series and I was already at 30 minutes and I'm like, okay, well, we got two series to go. So this is not going to be a one episode podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 2002, I mean, it's cliche, but there's no 06 without 02. Uh, So many of the core pieces showed up in 02. The Hedekin Adams trade. Um, you know, Brenda Moore was obviously part of leadership in 02. Um, Cole was a rookie in 02. Um, there were, I mean, Nick Valine was on that team. Glenn Wesley was already there. Aaron Ward 
uh, had, a, I mean, the, there were so many foundational pieces that arrived in 02 that even though the 06 team was very different after the uh, lockout and all that, it was it was still the same, basically the same group, just with more star power and more firepower in terms of offensive ability. So I just thought 02 was so important. And it was really when I started covering the team too. So there's a personal attachment to that group for me. Um, And I started doing it. And then one conversation led to another. I, I have to sit down and write it down. How many interviews I've done for this. I don't know what the number is. It's between, I don't know, 30, 35. I don't know if it's that much. It might be less, but it's a, it's been a lot of work, a lot more work than I thought it would be. Um, I wish it wasn't. Uh, I basically, other than uh, I have somebody who I work with who helps me greatly with production, uh, and his name is Rusty Helser, so I'm going to give my man Rusty a shout out here. And Rusty is one of the best human beings I know. But it's basically just all of my interviews. I I do the editing and he puts he makes it sound good. <laughs> and um, like I was up till I was up till two last night putting this episode together. And I forgot to send <laughs> forgot to send it last night. So I woke up in the morning. And I was I was driving in. And it's like, wait a second, I didn't send that. <laughs> so I mean, Rusty got it at about uh, ten o'clock this morning, but he didn't have to do uh, a ton. He just need needed to balance out different things and whatnot, and um, add some music here and there. But he makes it sound good when I listen to it back, and I listen to the episodes just to hear how it sounds. I'm like, man, Rusty makes me sound so much better than I am. Uh, and so it's been fun to do. The stories are great. The perspective of others. This is ba- none of this is me. It's all about other people. You know, I, I've kind of treated this as an oral history of the 25th anniversary of the move, so to speak. Um, it's just it's been fun, but it's been a ton of work, man. Um, I've had too many very, very late nights, Mm. too many Saturdays in front of my computer editing and, um, at the expense of my family, but, uh, it's been great. I hope people like it. Um, but honestly, whatever I like it (laughs) and that's, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, of what it sounds like. Oh yeah. I mean, we've, like I said, we, we've loved it. I, we listen to, I listen to it every morning when it, whenever they drop. Um, it's first Thank thing you. I do in the morning. Um, but you got one. You, uh, you got the O2 team, uh, the start of that. Here's what's interesting about that. I didn't know how I was going to put it together. Uh, I'd already spoken to Adams and Hedekin. Uh, There's not as much Rod in this because uh, Rod didn't remember. He didn't remember details of O2. There's a little bit of him and there's a little bit of Ron. Um, a lot of like my the ability to call John Forsland and mm. have him talk to me about it. there's always there's always a ton of John Forsland in this and 
that's fine because John's great and uh, he rem- he has such a great memory for these things. But I got Eric Cole and Sean Hill to come into studio and hang out with me for about an hour. It was it was longer than I anticipated, but they basically talked and reminisced with each other. And I thought that was going to be the basis. I thought the entire uh, that entire interview would essentially be uh, the the sub role of uh, of the episode. And I it, it didn't work out that way. But the two of them together, there are longer clips of them kind of talking about something. And Eric will say something and then Sean. And sometimes I started with Sean and then Eric will you know piggyback on the end of it. Um, but that was really cool. And I mean, I'm friends with Adams, who's doing a great job in Buffalo, by the way. They're they're oh, coming. Yes. Uh, if they get goaltending, they get goaltending. Like th- they have depth issues, I think, uh, all over the place. They they're about a full line short, and probably uh they probably need a better second pair behind uh Darlene and Power, but they're coming. If they get goaltending and just give you know fill in around the edges. I uh, think they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot anyway, but he and Hedekin has been awesome to me and I've been fortunate. So uh, I called on a lot of people um, that I have relationships with and they were generous with time. I mean that I, one of the things for me is, so when I grew up, I didn't have cable. So I didn't grow up with John Forsland. I grew up with Chuck Cape. So okay. I listened to him. I listened to almost every game. So well, hearing him again for me is is awesome. I, I love Chuck Caton. Uh, when he yeah, Chuck's awesome. When he wasn't with the team anymore, that that hurt me very deeply. Um, me too. I emailed my rep. I was like, just so you know that uh, that like I'm always going to come games, always going to support y'all. But that move that that hurts. That hurts deep. Uh, yeah, it did. I remember that. I remember the. I remember the day the I don't you know it's not like when Kennedy was shot but I remember um, when it was presented to me that they weren't going to bring Chuck back and my my view on this and that, look there's economic reasons for everything yeah um, and economically speaking I get it but I've always viewed Chuck and John. And no offense to Chuck, I think more so John, as this is your advertisement for your your product. Yeah. You are advertising your product through those gentlemen. Now, <clears throat> regardless of what happened with Chuck, um, he wasn't going to do it much longer. He wasn't. He was probably going to do another year, two years, and then was probably going to retire. Um, Chuck hasn't done more hockey. Yeah. Chuck didn't do any hockey. So I, I thought he would do some national radio, like Sam Rosen does national radio. Uh, you know, he's, he does Ranger games on TV, but, uh, Chuck didn't really do that. The John thing. Well, that's another story. Yeah. That's another story. It's a story that I've talked about, whether it's on my podcast or, um, on the radio, it's, uh, no offense to anybody who's there now. This is not about Mike. This is not about anybody. He's the best voice of hockey, and he was yours. And yeah. it doesn't matter if 
John was more expensive than he wasn't the most expensive, but he was among the most expensive. And I get it. We're Raleigh. We're not New York. We're not Chicago. We're not Boston. We're not, you know, a hockey place like Detroit. We're not Toronto. But my gosh, John's the best, the absolute best in the sport. And your your simulcast didn't miss a beat because I use the I use the highlights during for my podcast. Yeah. And John, it was like, oh, oh, is he doing a radio broadcast or is he doing a TV broadcast? So that uh, and John is, of course, he's uh, a good friend. And I I, I miss the hell. I talked to John almost as much as much now as I did then, except we don't do daily three times a week radio hits like we used to. But um, yeah, I miss John a lot. But it was cool, you know. Real, real quick aside, because John actually talked about it coming up in an episode that we're going to do. Uh, we talked about memorable games, and John was nervous about his first game back with Seattle. He had done national broadcasts, although I don't know that he'd been in the building. I think he might have done done those on the road. But John, when he came back with Seattle. He didn't want he didn't want a production, he didn't want a video, he didn't want anything. Because he didn't know how he was going to react and he didn't know how the team was going to going to frame it. And they basically just welcomed him back. And the place went bonkers. I was in that crowd. Yep. Mm-hmm. How are you? Yeah. So, I'm getting a little emotional talking about it because I I have I spent so much time talking to john about it um he deserved it i'm glad i'm glad he felt that and mm-hmm. he said it was maybe his hurricanes other than the stanley cup which he didn't do the game but he was on the air with chuck um it was maybe his hurricanes broadcasting highlight even though he was working for the kraken yeah so i'm glad john feels that way um He's look, I don't know. Can we put him in the Hall of Fame as a builder? I don't I don't I don't know how that's gonna work. They you know, we we they they unveiled their Hall of Fame and I'm on the committee. If we can, I will nominate him next year. Absolutely. If he, if we can, I will nominate him next year. But I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's eligible for that as the rules are written. I mean, my my co-host grew up with John, and I love John Forslund, too. He's unbelievable. Everybody loves John Forslund. I've never heard any Hurricanes fan say a bad word about him. I mean, honestly, awesome for him, too, to you know be able to do it again. How many broadcasters get to build a, help build a franchise twice? Right. And that's, I mean, that's a unique opportunity. So, you know, and I know the Kraken are one of the most fortunate franchises in the league to have him. Yeah, they do. Their broadcasts are actually pretty good. I like uh, I like Allison, uh, who does forget her last name. So it starts with a K, I believe, um, uh, or an L. Uh, I think she does a great job. She actually did uh, based on I'm trying to think why JT um, Brown was not there. I think he had family issues that he had to tend to. Uh, so she did color with John during the game when Seattle played at Carolina. Uh, I think she's excellent. She does 
uh, intermissions for them uh, for Root Sports. Okay. Again, I think she's dynamite. So give her a shout out, even though I can't remember her last name. First name, shout out. She's like last, Pele. <laughs> last, uh, last question for you, because I know you are, you got a lot, got a lot on your plate. So you're busy time. Oh, yeah, it's true. See, everything's coming. Everything's starting. You got football, you got baseball playoffs. Now you got hockey. So um, last question for you. What is your biggest memory through the hurricanes history that sticks out the most for you? You know, the funny thing is, like, first of all, I have a ton of them. Um, one of them is bad. When it was Corey Stillman gave the puck away in game five against Edmonton and the goal was scored, uh, looked like a shot was deflected right off the shot and beat Cam Ward, uh, sending the series back to Edmonton for game six. That meant I wouldn't be at game seven because my wife and I had a trip planned to Charleston. After the fact, I was told I could have gone back, but hmm. uh, we'll just leave it there. Um, gosh, the, the, the memory, see, this is why O2 for me is so, is so special is because even though they won the cup in six and I loved my trip to Edmonton for games three and four, I think all of my memories are from O2, mm. all of my most vivid memories. Well, I'm going to amend that, but the week save on Kevin Madden, which I still, no offense to Cam, and uh, Cam is a great dude, and I talk to him every now and then, but the Kevin week save for me is the best save in Hurricanes history. Mm. I, I don't know how you make that save. The the save on Pisani, Ward had already made that save. I mean, it's not easy. It's a great save, especially at the time, but I don't know how Kevin Weeks made that save. There's no way. You, uh, that's one. That's one in a hundred to mm. make that save. Um, so I remember that. I remember the, um, you know, the mantra, the the miracle at Molson in 2002. I was in Montreal for that. Um, of course. There's a backstory. I wasn't at the game. I was in Montreal, supposed to be covering the game. I covered game three. And um, I had a never, we don't need to get into it, but I wasn't feeling well. Uh, It was nothing nefarious. I just wasn't feeling well. And I couldn't actually get out of the hotel room to go cover game four, but I obviously watched game four. God, but all of it in O2. But honestly, when I think about this, and maybe it's my connection to John, I was in Minneapolis for the Final Four and still trying to do what I had to do for the Hurricanes. I don't think I was doing the day. I wasn't doing the daily podcast at the time, the uh, the morning afters. I was just doing a weekly podcast. But I was there for the Final Four, but still covering the hurricanes and writing and doing everything else I needed to do game 71. The hurricanes are at home against New Jersey. And that night capitals were hosting Montreal. 
Yep. And if the Hurricanes won and the Capitals won, Washington clinches the division and the Hurricanes clinch a playoff spot because Montreal was a team they were fighting with, fighting uh, for that final spot. That wasn't ended up not being the final spot, but a wild card spot. And the last, I would say, eight minutes of the Canes game was as focused and as I had more adrenaline running through me then than I think I did in 02 and 06 combined. Mm-hmm. Because A, you know how badly the the organization wanted it. I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I mean, it's not like Rod Brindamore and I have dinner a lot, but I mean, Rod and I have a great relationship and an Maybe an emotional attachment to the franchise to the point where when, well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll finish that story in a second, but I want for him to be able to experience that. And so the last eight minutes of this game, Forsland is just taking it to a level that broadcasters like it's a, it's a world series level mm-hmm. of intensity and at the same time, keeping us up to date on what's going on in Washington. And in the last 30 seconds, he's doing play-by-play of both games yeah. at the same time. And it's, it, is one of, it was one of the most incredible things. It brought me there. Um, it was just awesome. And I'll, again, it's probably a personal thing for me with John. Uh, and just to, uh, to put the bow on it. Because I've known Rod for a long time. We've had a great relationship for a long time. Um, he, I remember when he was an assistant with Bill Peters, he walked past me when they were about to name Justin Falk and Jordan Stahl as co-captains when it should have been J- Justin Williams. And Rod just said, you're not going to believe this bleep and bleep. He just <laughs> under his, like as he was walking past me in the locker room, as we were all getting ready to file into the press conference, he walked past me, he goes, you're not... Wait till you get a load of this bleep and bleep. And I went, what? He goes, just wait. Like, oh should have been Williams. Bill Peters, Bill Peters' ego wouldn't allow Justin Williams to come in and be the captain and take the credit for whatever happened, uh, which was unfortunate. I have to talk to Justin about that after the fact. And Justin said he was surprised he didn't even get a letter. Um, anyway, uh, after they beat the Islanders, in four in the conference semifinals we're walking back from the press conference and I, rod was he couldn't he wasn't even touching the ground i mean to get to the conference finals your first year as a head coach he just he wasn't he wasn't on the ground and so we're walking back and we're talking about it and his you could tell he was he had so much adrenaline and he was thanking everybody and then he thanked me and i'm like what he goes man you're part of this too and that's what Rod does. Mm-hmm. Rod makes you feel like you're a part of it. So uh, he's a unique individual. The franchise wouldn't be where it is today yeah. without Rutherford's trade for Brenda Moore in January of 2000. So um, we agree. He, he deserves absolutely everything. I want him to win a Stanley Cup. So he has one as a player yep. and as a head coach. And then he can go and just coaches coach Brooks hockey team. <laughs> By the way, it's an unfair coaching staff. 
Brenda Moore, Brent Burns, and uh, Tim Gleason. That's not fair. If I'm the, <laughs> they're doing video at practice. How do you practice next to them? Anyway, uh, that's my uh, rambling dissertation. Well, I mean, I I completely uh, feel the when they made the playoffs with John Forslund doing the call. I, I was in I was in college and I was kind of bouncing up and down on the chair. And my roommate's like, "What's your problem? Like, my team hasn't made the playoffs since 2009. Leave me alone. Yep. You're just watching me bounce." And when they made it, I just dropped to my knees and I'm crying. Like, what is it? And they're just messing with me. I'm like, you don't understand. Your teams have been making the playoffs. This is huge. I mean, I, I think, and you saw me, you can see videos on YouTube and the crowd and the fans are crying. They're just happy. They're excited. And um, it was, it was one of my biggest memories too. Yeah. It's a, it's just an incredible emotional day. We have an episode coming out of the 25th anniversary podcast. Uh, and this was how, I mean, I'm not going to get to 10. Uh, two part, two thousand two. One drops tomorrow. The uh, the last two rounds and kind of a postscript will be next week. And we uh, we have one episode with the best five uh, transactions in Hurricanes history, and then the best five games in Hurricanes history. And I intentionally left out Game Seven of two thousand and six because look, um, the the two uh, I did it with Luke Tacock. Uh, of the NNO and Mike Sundheim is a, a VP with the team. And look, I knew they were both going to put it as number one. Yeah. And that's easy. So I just excluded it for that reason. And, but on my list was game 71 of 2019 for that reason. I, I just think it, the franchise needed it so badly. And that second half of the year was just incredible i'm not i'm i just wasn't surprised i picked him to beat the beat the capitals so <laughs> i um, did too i, I was on the morning news <laughs> but well, by the way if you were a, a a gambler um i thought going into uh the playoffs that like i didn't like columbus to beat tampa but if you looked at what columbus did at the deadline they i think they had the second best roster in the Eastern Conference behind Tampa, but they had a really good roster because they added uh, Duchesne. Actually, they added Dezingle, who ended up being a uh, healthy yeah. scratch in uh, the, the what game seven of the next round after they beat um, Tampa. But I loved Carolina at like plus 280 if yeah. you were uh, <laughs> My friends a series right. And I predicted it on the morning news. I was like, give, I'll take the Canes in seven, go up to Washington and win game seven. Uh, I know that I knew they were the defending champs, but I loved the makeup of that team. And it wasn't, it's this, these teams are way more talented than that team. Yeah. But that team had a, had a little bit of a 2002 flair about it. Well, so it's good. Well, I, I, my friend was a Caps fan, so I had to, I, he, he, he oh, money that day. What a shame. But, um, thank you, sir, for joining us as always. Uh, you know, you're welcome anytime. We appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Hey, guys, this is Sam Wallace from the Caniac Report. We just wanted to thank you guys for listening to this episode. And if you like it and want to help out, please rate, comment, and subscribe so you never miss another episode. See you guys next week.